Hi, I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. Hello, and welcome to Bookish Society Secrets, hosted by me, Jen Naughton. Today, I'm chatting with Carolyn Smith, the author of Mulrocks and the Malcognitos, which is out now. Hi, Carolyn. Hey, Jen. How are you doing? Good. You want to tell us about your novel? Sure. I'd love to. Uh, so my book is Mulrocks and the Malcognitos, um, and it's a middle grade fantasy adventure novel about a misfit ogre named Mulrocks. In his ogre town, everybody loves smashing and breaking things, but Mulrocks is a little bit different. He wants more than anything to be the world's greatest poet. But unfortunately for him, everything he writes is terrible, uh, and he ends up erasing it and ripping it up and throwing it away. So he thinks life is like, really bad as it is. But then the worst thing that he can imagine happens, his terrible ideas come to life as these creatures called malcognitos. The malcognitos are these pesky little things that are rude and annoying, and they follow him around embarrassing him in front of everybody. But the worst thing about them is that they need his help. And Morax ends up on a quest to save the malcognitos from the evil vacus that is making them disappear. He has to travel through the woods mercurial with his loyal pet toad and oddball neighbor as they battle ferocious sheep, dodge spellbinding sneezes, and have to negotiate with untrustworthy mystical rodents. But if he's going to succeed in defeating the Vacus, he's first going to have to learn how to embrace his own imperfections and overcome his self-doubt. So this is a little about uh, wow. the book. So it's nothing like Shrek. Yes, <laughs> that is, is nothing like Shrek. <laughs> that is everyone's first exposure to ogres at this stage. <laughs> yeah, I uh, definitely spent a lot of time trying to create my own ogre world. So like the first part <laughs> of the book takes place in that ogre village. And I tried to kind of reimagine what it might be like to live in this ogre world. And it's called Ogre Prague. Uh, nice. Yeah. You know, actually your ogres would probably fit into the Ella Enchanted world. Yeah, I love that. If book. anything, I love that book too. But there's ogres in that book. I've tried I was like, you know, prepping for this and I was like, where else are ogres? <laughs> yeah. Not there's in- not that much. It's surprising. No. I was I actually went looking, you know, cuz I tried to put in little references to things throughout the book, but there is not as much as I thought there would be. So I ended up pulling from things that are similar. So like giants or other kind of like big beast type creatures. Um, and I have that in some of like the dialogue uh, where they say like Bluebeard's knee and uh, things like that. Yeah, I guess it's the untapped ogre fiction yes. market. <laughs> You're like, I got here first. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves ogres, right? Everyone does. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? I think actually they do because they're not... When you think ogre, you don't think of some, like, uh, I was going to say being, that's the wrong word. You don't really think of a uh, creature or, you know, anything mythical. Like, 
I don't know. I don't think ogres are as scary as giants. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I feel like they're more approachable. Yeah. You know, like you're not like, oh, I could never be an ogre. Sure you could. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all a little bit of an ogre. Exactly. <laughs> if you try hard enough. Yeah. Pre-coffee, I'm definitely an ogre. <laughs> oh, same, 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 same. Um, so how did you get started writing? This is this this is your first book, right? Yeah, this is my first novel I've published. I've been writing since I was a little kid. I've always loved it. And I think like one of the things that really got me started was I actually had a bunch of weird educational stuff as a kid. So like I was um, semi-homeschooled for a few years in kind of a co-op um, of, a, it varied from year to year, like nine to 12 kids. Um, and our parents would all come in and teach classes. And we had like one kind of fixed teacher. But a big thing that they did, uh, which is pretty unusual, is we had a writer's workshop Um, And we would do that fairly frequently where we would all write stories and then we'd critique each other's work. um, And at the end of the year, we published like a big kind of zine of our poems and stories and things like that. And for me, that really sparked this love and excitement of writing. And it became this thing that, you know, it's like, oh, I have this idea. I have to be writing. And that kind of stayed with me all through my life. So, yeah, I definitely attribute a lot to that. Um, I always loved my parents read to me as a little kid all the way up through middle school. I think they were still reading to me every night. Um, so it's just something it's been like a big part of my family. We've always had tons of books and yeah, I stuck with that. And then I had been writing more adult things and writing literary fiction type stuff, but for Mulrox, I just, I got, I got a little burnt out on writing that stuff. And I, you know, the, I spent like seven years working on a novel that is unpublished. That was an adult one and it just wasn't very interesting. And I was like looking at it and trying to figure out what to do. And I got, I just wanted to go back to what made me love reading, right? What, Mm -hmm. what made me passionate. And I realized that it was middle grade books, right? It was around the age of (laughs) I thought you were going to say, I realized it was ogres. Yeah. <laughs> Light bulb. <laughs> yeah. Must be ogres. <laughs> Must be ogres. <laughs> but I realized it was like reading as a kid, right? That was like this pure joy for me. And me and my friends would get together, we'd read and we'd talk about books. And it was so exciting and wonderful. And I went back and I started reading the books that I had read as a kid and loved things like Dealing with Dragons by Patricia C. Reed um, and The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman and uh, Jennifer Murdley's Toad by Bruce Coville. And I just got so excited. And I, I decided that I wanted to create, I wanted to write a kid's book and I wanted to write something like that that would spark joy. And so I think that basically unlocked like a different type of writing for me that I think connected a lot more. So it's oh. kind of like the story of how Morox came about. Oh, how did you uh, come up with his name? Uh, so just I for a lot of the ogre words and names, I just tried to come up with sounds that seemed okay. to kind of ogre-ish. Yeah. So uh, like Groxor and Molrox and Olgarprog and Ugin and Broxley, just kind of these rough syllables and uh, like you have rocks in your mouth kind of. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, so you didn't go full, you didn't go full token and come up with a whole ogre language <laughs> and an ogre, you know, timeline through history. 
I wish. Yeah. I mean, I did a little bit. Um, I think one of the things that is kind of hard with fantasy is to know how much to put in and how much to take out. Um, and like, you can do a whole lot of world building that really doesn't belong in the book. So like I invented a bunch of other creatures that I ended up taking out of the book that don't show up, uh, that, you know, like filled out this kind of narrative and world for me. But then I was like, this is too much. This is going to be overwhelming. So having to kind of cut back on that. I think world building is a really strong pull and allure. You know, it's the type of thing that I loved doing as a kid. So like, you know, my friends and I would create creatures and draw pictures that are, you know, mashups of different types of animals and create worlds and maps and things like that. Um, So I could spend forever doing that, but trying to figure out what's the right amount to put in the book and what's really serving the story and what's more just like, this is this cool idea I had. So I tried to stay away from like creating a whole language, but uh, (laughs) wanted to give them some kind of way that they hung together, right? So it sounds like, okay, this is the type of thing that is a ogre-ish name as opposed to a Melcognito name or something else. Yeah, I didn't really think of that before, but I guess that was probably really hard because if you like you write characters in and you know all about them and so like in your mind the story is I want to say is it fuller is it it's deeper and fuller it's got to be because you know all this other back stuff that we don't know because you can't have too many characters it just gets too confusing like I understand why but it's a whole it's so Uh, interesting to me that like when you think about this like you're getting like a much fuller picture than we are yeah it's it's weird right it's kind of like a um onion or something right yeah so you like have your first one and then you build on it and you build on it but sometimes it gets smaller it depends on the type of writer you are like I am a over writer so then I have to shrink everything down like you're saying so yeah yeah yeah, it's it's definitely strange. And it's strange with people reading it at different times too. Um, and how yeah. much changes and how much doesn't. You know, I not everybody's like this, but like I went through like 17 full drafts on this book. So the story changed quite a bit as I worked through it. So sometimes I'm not as clear on what's in the final book as say like my niece and nephew who have only read the <laughs> end part who are yeah, like, I suppose why did the, you do this by the time you were done you were just like okay this is it yeah I think this is what happens I, yeah exactly <laughs> you're reading it yourself you're like well this is you're good like, oh surprising <laughs> what <laughs> what a good twist yeah nicely done me that is yeah i I don't know. I find it just endlessly fascinating, the whole, the process involved. Mm -hmm. So would you, I'm just curious how this works. So like characters that you cut out. So let's say you, you look out and at some point you're writing something else that occurs in this universe. Would you, Mm -hmm. would you draw from those characters that didn't make the book first? I think so. I mean, I, there was this like, band of bats that the characters ran into that I really loved, but I cut out from this book. Uh, I would love to put that in another book. I kind of want to write another, I want to set other books in that world. Uh, Maybe not direct sequels, but like maybe give you a gherkin her own book. Um, And I feel like the bats might be good for her. Um, So. Oh yeah. I'd be all about that. 
Um, so yeah, so we're talking about world building. So is this inspired by any other like fantasy world? Like, okay, I can tell you it's not Narnia and you know what I mean? Like you can, you can, you know, you've, when you're reading so much, um, kids fantasy, a lot of times you can go, Oh, I know what inspired this. But in this case, I'm not sure. I think you thought it all up. I tried to create my own world. Um, I really did. I wanted, I love fantasy. I've read a ton of it. I wanted to create something that would be new for kids to explore and discover. Um, I mentioned at the start, I really loved, um, the Enchanted Forest Chronicles, the dealing with dragons. It's yeah. definitely not the same type of world, but it's got the same sort of sense of humor. Um, so definitely this world is kind of more of a humorous fantasy world than say, uh, maybe like Tolkien, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> or even the Narnia worlds. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's probably more on the end of like a Terry Pratchett. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it actually is. Yeah. When you were. okay, so I have to ask because you were homeschooled and it's as a this is a threat among homeschoolers. Did you read the horrible histories? I didn't. Are they good? Okay. Oh, they're so good. You'll laugh so hard. All right. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's like a common it's a common thread. I think we have all of them in my house, but I have five kids. So that's why we have all the books. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe you were more serious. Maybe you're a more serious homeschooler. Cause that's, you know, that's the thing people don't get is that there's all these different flavors of homeschooling. It's not all just one kind. I don't think so. We were not very no. serious. Okay. It was a very like focused. I think okay. I just missed out. You just missed them. I'm trying to think what we read aloud. I, Yeah. I don't remember very much. I do yeah. remember like reading to other students. Sometimes we would do that instead of yeah. like silent, sustained reading. So do you like poetry? Is that how the ogre poet <laughs> came around? Um, I do like poetry. I am not a poet. Um, I well, You did pretty good in here. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, I what I love though is like Alice in Wonderland, which has a lot of ridiculous oh, yeah. poems. Yes. Um, and so I tried to kind of channel that sort of thing. And I remember as a kid finding those poems and just thinking, like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, so much poetry is really serious, but then there's so many great humorous poems, like uh, Shelf Silverstein, right? Um, yeah. His stuff also was kind of an inspiration for me for these. And I wanted to be able, like, I loved writing poems as a kid, but I don't think any of them were particularly good, but I thought it was like a really good medium because you can kind of put all of it on the page, right? And give kids an exposure to it. And they can kind of see the poems and be like, is this good? Is this bad? Does it really matter? Right? Like, uh, they can actually see the art in the book um, and kind of make their own judgments about that. Oh, yeah. And okay. so. That's interesting, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would have been something that if you read that, like sort of inspired a lot of a lot of the dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. The talking animal characters are kind of Alice in Wonderland-esque. I don't know why yeah. I didn't think of it before, but yeah, I could see that. And man, universally, kids love talking animal characters. They're so much fun. I mean, 
I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of my life looking at animals and giving them voices in real life. Oh my gosh. I am like, okay. The only people who understand me, I think will probably be people on that Slack thread of writers. Because literally if I see animals in my yard, I've got the whole plot. Right. From like, you know, two animals interacting. I'm all like, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. (laughs) What's happening? You're never going to believe this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So the owl flies down and is hooting at the dog and the dog is barking like crazy because they're actually having a conversation. (laughs) And I know this in my heart and mind to be true. Right. It has to be true. It has to be true. Yes. Like every, every animal gets a name that I see and a voice and everything. So yeah, I had to include animal characters in the book. Um, the, uh, Morix has a pet toad named Geraldine, who's very bossy and opinionated, but doesn't speak. Um, and that is roughly based on my dog. Who's also very grumpy and opinionated, but very loyal. Okay. Um, and then there's animals that do actually speak in the book. So it's kind of interesting figuring out what that line was between talking animals and not talking animals, but lots of, lots of animal characters for sure. Yeah. See, I would have thought that Geraldine was like a very bossy cat, but I can see a dog too. My dog is frequently mistaken for a cat. He loves cat toys. Google photos thinks he's a cat. Uh, So that's not the wrong read. (laughs) So, so usually we give spoilers, but I want you to be vague (laughs) So, (laughs) because we've already given away a lot in this case. I feel like Mm -hmm. we've given away more than enough to make people want to read this book and they should because, oh, wait, before we do, well, okay, do the spoiler and then I'll go on to the next thing. So what do you, what do you think? What do you want to say? Okay. Uh, So I think one of the spoilers is that basically most of the characters are maybe not what they seem at the start. And so you'll have to kind of read on to see who really is trustworthy, who is not. Uh, Are ogres really what they seem at the start? What does it even mean to be a bad idea? Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, So I wanted to point out that this book got kind of lost in the pandemic yeah <laughs> and so it's out so like everyone can go and buy it like right now that would be ideal be lovely what, what was that what was that like like what did they tell you were they like okay so we're not going to delay this it's coming out or it was it was too late right because everything's planned so far ahead yeah I mean it I <laughs> So much of it is a blur at this point too, right? My book launched um, at the end of March, which was right as things were shutting down. Um, I'm in Seattle, uh, which is right where the pandemic started in the US. So things just got really, really hectic. And yeah, we just kind of had to make the best of what it was. Lots of things that were kind of sad and disappointing as a result of, you know, not being able to... see the book in the bookstore or, you know, be with friends and family to celebrate it. But um, we did get to do a lot of really cool virtual events that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. And I got included on stuff that I probably wouldn't have. So uh, there's definitely been some upsides to it. And I think people have been reading a lot more than they had before the pandemic, 
which is also kind of an exciting upside to stuff. That is, it's awesome. I love that. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of my friends that normally wouldn't ask for book recommendations like this past year are like, so what should I read? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's been a time I think people got really sick of uh, all the digital exposure too after a certain point. So like having physical books to read, I think has been a, a nice thing for people. You know, one of the things with Mulrocks is that um, I wrote it, I dedicated it to my father um, and he, I spoke a little bit before how uh, my parents used to read to me. And I really wanted this book to be a book that would be good for a read aloud. Um, it's got a, things that I think will be really interesting to people of all ages. And I've gotten a lot of feedback that like, um, you know, I have readers that are as young as four and as old as like in their 80s um, who have enjoyed it. And so I think kind of no matter where you are, you're going to get something else from it. Um, and to be the type of book that you could come back and read again and maybe see a lot of the stuff in a different light. So. Um, oh, I think that's very true. I would I would definitely read this out loud. I think um, so many of the chapters like and in like the perfect way where you're really waiting the next day to, you know, to open that up again. <laughs> yeah. And I love a good read aloud. I'm all for reading to kids as, as long as possible. Yeah. I, I really don't think that that's something that you age out of, you know, my partner and I read to each other frequently. I feel like it's just something that you end up loving and wanting to be able to be a part of because it, it makes it a shared experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, the pandemic obviously has been terrible, but I do like that families are spending a lot more time together. Right. And I, I think more than they have in decades, probably. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, hopefully people will still, you know, keep reading and everything. I, I feel like reading is like a habit. Like, you know, so you read a lot when you're in school and then mm -hmm. When you get out, it's it's easy if you're not in the in the book world to to not read because it's faster to turn on the TV and see what Netflix has. Right. Right. But I feel like then once you read a good book, then you want more books. And so mm -hmm. hopefully everyone will keep reading as things open back up. Yeah, I think you get addicted. And I think the other thing, too, yeah. is people get really uh, fixated on things that they think they should be reading which I think can be a mistake, right? Like, oh yeah, uh, I should be reading the latest literary fiction that came out that everybody says is the best, but really doesn't excite you. Like there's really nothing you should be reading. You should be reading what makes you happy and excites you, especially like kids, right? Like kids should be reading whatever excites them. That's what yes. I think. And I, I really do graphic think- novels. Yeah. Before, I mean, if yeah. kids, when kids say like that, they don't like reading it's, I really do think it's because they haven't found what they like to read. Right. Yeah. I don't think that people should be like judging that, you know, and it was something that was kind of hard for me to get over. Cause like, I, you know, loved reading kids books. I loved fantasy. Then I went to school and majored in English literature and read like all the classics. And then for a long time, that was all I read was like, new experimental literary fiction <laughs> or the classics. <laughs> oh, yeah, And like, I, I still love those books and there's tons of books that are really great in there, but I felt bad about reading the stuff that I really made me happy. Um, and eventually I got over that and just went back to reading that. I was like, okay, you know what? 
this is this is really what I love. And there's so many wonderful things about that. And like, I don't want to listen to people say bad things about, you know, fantasy because they don't take it seriously. Right. Or they aren't able to see the things that you can do with it. And, you know, that's kind of another thing I wanted to do with Morox is like, yes, it's a, it's a fantasy adventure novel, but it's also a book about um, creativity and finding your voice and really like what it means um, to have ideas um, and, you, you know, like that you really have to have these bad ideas in order to create anything um, and kind of this sense of um, like the growth mindset. I don't know if you've. Yeah. Read. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to pull from some ideas and stuff from there. I'd like to, in my writing, pull from things that I've struggled with personally. And I definitely am somebody who's struggled with like kind of opening up and sharing my writing to other people um, because, you know, I want everything to be perfect before other people see it. So I tried to put a lot of that into the book, but in a fun way. <laughs> yeah, you definitely succeeded. Um, I I know kids are going to love it. We just have to, we need to boost you. <laughs> we need to boost the signal. <laughs> I really need like those little internet Wi-Fi boosters because I really think just people just missed it. Like, yeah, there was just so much going on at that point. Like you said, like, especially like, you know, those two weeks, that was just right. Uh, that was, I think, just the last thing on most people's mind because we were all like, what is happening? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was so scary, too. I like, have some strong memories of like. So we had to go uh, back and forth between, we. I can't remember if I mentioned this already, but we ended up having to move around that time as well. Um, and so, uh, you know, we were all told to shelter in place, right? And quarantine, yeah. but we had to go back and forth between the two places to like clean and finish moving stuff. I remember driving at night and having like cops turn on their signals and follow us to make sure we weren't going anywhere else. You know, it's just like, yeah. It's hard to imagine that was only a year ago. I know. I mean, in many ways, it was almost like wartime. You right. Know? I mean, that's how I would imagine it would have been, you know, to live through um, yeah. something like that. And it was, it was, it was so stressful because every day they were saying something different, right? I mean, at the beginning, they were yeah. like, don't bother with a mask. And then, okay, get right. a mask. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is going to be two weeks. No, it's going to be a lot longer. It's going to be, it's like, it right. was so, it was like everyone, you know, having the same stress at the same time, which is, you know, pretty unheard of. I mean, normally, yeah. um, you know, like, like we were saying before, like, you know, there's just, it's always something with life, you know, there's always some mm -hmm. weird thing that you have, but normally <laughs> your friends are not also going through something at the same right. time, you know? <laughs> And yeah. I think especially for kids, um, I have like uh, six-year-olds in my picture book class and they're mm -hmm. just furious. I mean, they're just so, they'll like, if anything comes up about it, they're just like, I hate coronavirus. <laughs> I'm going to kick it. You know, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, it's like in their six-year-old minds, they're just like, I want to go to the park. I want to do this and the stupid coronavirus, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're so like honest. I mean, like right. we all hate it, 
but yeah. they're just like furious about it. And <laughs> of course, you know, it's like the first thing I do in the morning, you know, just after coffee. So I'm always just laughing uproariously because yeah. I'm like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> it is the worst. Yeah. I mean that and then they get just very I don't know. Like it's that is their reality, right? They don't even have that many mm-hmm. years of remembering life, right? right. It's six. Yeah. So like, you know, if one of them sneezes or sniffles, the other one's totally like serious deadpan will be like, "Do you have the coronavirus?" <laughs> oh my god. I'm like, no, I think she's just sneezing because <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're in their world. It's like, that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you might be really, really sick. I and feel so bad for kids right now. Uh, it must be so crazy. And I hope like, they're not like all getting messed up. That's why, I mean, books are more important than ever. I'm all like, let them all bury themselves in fantasy, please. Yeah. I, this book is totally an escape. Like oh, yeah. it, I tried really hard to put all of, like I wrote this book uh, around 2017, and I was personally like uh, feeling a little depressed about the way the world was, and I just wanted to do something to put joy in the world um, yeah. and focus like on writing something fun and funny and happy and like uplifting. Uh, so I tried to channel all of that into the book. I love books that are dark, uh, but this is not a dark book, <laughs> like at all. Yeah. All right. So who do you want to, what middle grade books are you reading? Who do you want to promote? Um, I just finished reading Kate Albus's A Place to Hang the Moon. And I know you talked to her and loved her book as well. Happy song. Yeah. She's fantastic. I love Kate. But yeah, I have this giant stack of books that I've got. Um, I'm lucky enough to be friends with some of the authors. So I've gotten to read some of their arcs, but right now I'm looking at the last wind, Witch, which just came out by Jennifer Adam, uh, the gilded like girl it. by Alyssa Coleman. Um, I actually just got uh, summer Rachel shorts, newest book, the arc, oh, the, the, the talk of the killer Komodos. So I I'm really too. excited. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I'm excited to read that. Um, I got a copy of Glitter Gets Everywhere by Yvette Clark. So that's one I'm looking forward to reading. And then uh, The Vertigris Pawn uh, by Alyssa Wishingrad. Yeah. So these are all ones that I'm really excited to read. I haven't gotten a chance to dig into yet. But uh, I guess somebody else who I'd love to plug is Sam Subedi, uh The Last Shadow Warrior is coming yeah. out in like a week. So very exciting. You should definitely get his book as well. I agree. Also, all of my favorites. I also got Glitter Gets Everywhere this week and I haven't started it yet either, but Okay, so I book club will. time. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think of what else I got this week. I got like a big book haul this week. It was nice. so weird. I got all these books this week and they were nearly all blue. It was so weird as uh. I was opening all the packages. Oh, did you read The Cryptid Catcher? No. I just got that, and I don't... Who's that by? Leah Fisher. I'm gonna. I'm hoping I'm saying her name right. L-I-J-A. What do you think? I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible so with names. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> We're going to find out, because I'm going to talk to her, and, and she'll listen, and she'll go, well, you slaughtered my name the first time. <laughs> uh, um, I'm sure she'll forgive you. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, she seems really nice. Um, trying to think. Yeah, the last wind witch you're gonna love. Total fantasy immersion. Woohoo! Yeah, um, I'm excited. What else? Oh, I talked to. Okay, well, I finished Starfish last week, and I talked to. I can't think of her name, Lisa. Uh huh. You know who I mean? Fitz. The author. Yes. The author of Starfish. Yes. And that was really, really good. I am coming around to that whole uh, novels in uh, verse. Verse? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's the other one that I read that's really good. Um, the Magical Imperfect. And that comes out soon. That's by Chris Barron. It's on my list. It's on my Kindle. I've got to read it. You should read it. It's so, it's so good. Okay. Yes. I mean, it helps that it's like basically set where I grew up in the time I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would help, right? <laughs> but it's also fantastic. Yay. Uh, I also read uh, Unsettled. That's also a novel in verse. That um so familiar. What is, is that? Gosh, what's her name? Middle grade? Yes. Yes. Uh, gosh. Well, you Google. You can Google. Okay, if I Google... <laughs> I'm going to make clicking sounds. <laughs> we can't have that. Oh, yes. Uh, I think, Reem. I don't, Reem, Reem Faruqi. Faruqi. Yes, there we go. Yeah. And although that's not where I grew up, we lived in Atlanta um, when we were, my husband and I were first married. And uh, I really, really loved the idea of living in Peachtree City. And that's where that was set. Nice. Um, it's like a, it's like a weird Oh, it's not weird. Okay. It's a different kind of suburb of Atlanta where the whole town was built around golf carts. So there's golf cart paths everywhere. Like the McDonald's has a separate drive through for golf carts. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was obsessed with living there. And at the time we were first married and very, very poor. And so there was no way we were going to be able to move there. But I just thought that was like <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's an awesome place to set a book. Yeah. That's so cool. I don't know. It's just like, so it's like, cause it's like regular suburbia, but with a twist. I don't know. It yes. seems like, <laughs> it seems like a place someone would make up, Right, <laughs> but completely. No, that's, that's a real place. <laughs> and ironically, her parents never bought them a golf cart until they went to oh college because her mom <laughs> said it was healthier for them to walk. And I was like, that true, is a mom move. But hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But hilarious. It's kind of like how my parents got a riding lawnmower after I left home. Right, like, right. Hey, <laughs> how come I had to push mo? Oh man, I know. Ah, uh, so now we've now we've sidetracked. Oh, <laughs> now this okay. is my therapy session. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, like I like I told you before, I am definitely squishing this in. So, uh, parents Yay. of middle grade readers, you can hold off because I'll tell you what month we're reading it, and then. Then you can buy it or, you know, if I'm sending you books, I'll send it to you. So. Uh, I'm so excited. There's a bunch of, I have a bunch of resources on my website too. So if oh, people cool. are interested, there's discussion questions broken out by the different parts of the book. Um, so because there's a lot of spoilers in the book uh, and twists, definitely just re like grab the one that you've read so far. Uh, but if you want to have discussions as you go along, that's there. Um, we have a recording of the first chapter 
uh, that we did out loud with voices and stuff. You can find that on my website as well. It's pretty hilarious. Um, (laughs) My partner does some very good voices. Uh, Mine are okay, but his are amazing. Um, Awesome. And there's a character quiz on there. So if you want to figure out which character you're most like and a malcognito snot recipe, if you want to make your own malcognito snot. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that sounds really random, but... Is it like slime? Yeah, it's basically the oobleck recipe. Nice, okay. Yeah, with a little uh, blue and glitter. But yeah, so like snot, malcognito snot has some interesting properties, as you'll find out if you read the book. Transforms you in certain ways. So it's a good thing to have on hand. Nice. Yeah, I will will cheat and use those teacher resources uh, for myself. Please. Um, that and would if, be that would be the downside of letting each level read like twenty books because I'm like <laughs> that means I have to do twenty books of notes. What right. was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feel free to reach out to me. And I also do school visits and uh, book club visits and stuff too. Yeah. So if people are interested, uh, there's info on my website as well. There's a bunch of different things I offer, but the one that I've done every time, because it seems to be the popular one, is uh, the real life plants of Morox and the Malcognitos. So a lot oh, of cool. the stuff in the book is real, uh, despite it being a fantasy and based on like the redwood forests. Um, I grew up in Northern California, so we spent a lot of time in the redwoods there. Um, so I talk about some of that and then we do a little, uh, garden showdown of who did it better between Yogurkin's garden and Tabia's garden. Um, and the kids tend to love that because they get to vote, tell us which weird, weird plant they like better. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll have to, um, see if we can schedule you to come back and, uh, you can, you can come to bookish and visit us on zoom. So give your, give your address. Yeah, it's um, carolynsmith.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter on there. I send out an uh, email like every two weeks. I'm just giving news and updates, talking about books I've read and things like that. And my first name is spelled really weird. It's Carolyn, K-E-R-E-L-Y-N. But yeah, everything's on there. And you can find me on most social media platforms. Awesome. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes too. So then people can find it. Thank you, Carolyn, so much for coming on today. I really, really enjoyed meeting you. I had such a great time. Thank you so much for talking with me. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And of course, on our website, thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic.